Hi, this is Walter Montero, and you're listening to this week's edition of the Real Estate and Mortgage Show. Hey folks, uh, welcome back to uh, the Real Estate Mortgage Show. And uh, as I had promised you last week, uh, we we're going to talk about using your RSP to invest in mortgages. Um, and this, of course, would be private mortgages. You're probably wondering, you know, why would you want to do that in terms of using your, your RSPs to invest in mortgages? Well, I can tell you that mortgages and mortgage investing can be quite lucrative. Uh, there's a private mortgage market out there that, uh, you know, people have been investing in for years. Uh, for the most part, it's been, you know, sort of a, a secret that, uh, you know, bankers and trust companies typically don't want you to know because they want to sell you mutual funds and stocks. So, you know, they want they want to kind of keep you away from this type of investing because there's not a lot of money in it for them, but it can be quite lucrative for you. You're probably wondering, you know, why would you invest in private mortgages? Well, private mortgages definitely have, you know, a place in the marketplace, especially today with all the changes that have happened in the mortgage market, all the uh, rules and regulations that have been implemented by the government, uh, you know, obviously to, uh, you know, try and curtail any any housing bubble and, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, the need for private money now is probably greater than it's ever been in, in quite a few years. Quite honestly, finding these opportunities became somewhat of a struggle because the banks were so aggressive with their mortgage products that, um, you know, the opportunity for private mortgage investors was was pretty slim. But the opportunities are greater now. And um, so, you know, anyway, I want to show you or I want to talk to you about how you can use your mortgages or use your RSPs to invest in mortgages. I Just as a caveat, I did write a book on the topic and uh, I got a little program that I sell on the internet. By all means, you're, you're more than welcome to go and have a look at it at the rrspmortgageinvestor.com. Uh, but today we're going to give you an overview of what that program entails. I'm going to give you quite a bit of an overview. So, I mean, I, I think realistically you could listen to this program today and go out and, and set yourself up to start investing in mortgages. But if you want some more details on how to do it, by all means, go on the uh, go on the website, rspmortgageinvestor.com, and buy the program. Certainly appreciate it. Okay, so let's start off by going step-by-step step in terms of what you need to do to invest in mortgages using your RSP. Number one is your RSP portfolio has to be self-directed. Okay, so that means you have to have it with a trustee that allows you to invest in mortgages. The three that I know of right now are Olympia Trust, which is the company I use, uh, Canadian Western Trust, and B2B Trust. Uh, so if your RSP portfolio isn't self-directed and isn't with one of these three companies, the chances are you probably cannot invest in mortgages. So you have to have your money self-directed, your RSP money self-directed, and it has to be with one of these three trust companies. All right, so that's step number one. Step number two is the money that you have in your RSP has to be in a cash-ready position in order to be able to invest in a mortgage. So in other words, you can't hold, you know, you can be self-directed and you can be with one of these companies, but you can't have that inside of some sort of locked-in certificate or or a mutual fund because quite honestly, it, it you can't invest that in a mortgage. You need cash in there. So you got to do one of two things, either put more cash into your RSP if you have the room for it or liquidate some of the investments that you have in your RSP into a cash ready position. Now I want you to be careful with that because sometimes doing that 
can create some serious penalties for you. So please be sure that if you are going to do that, make sure that um, that you're clear on the penalties you're going to pay because some of those mutual funds can have a lot of teeth in terms of you know redemption fees and that sort of thing. So just be careful with that. So either liquidate what you have in there or put more money in there. All right. So the next thing you want to do now that you have a self-directed uh, RSP account, you're in a cash ready position. Step number three is to reach out to the mortgage community uh, and the mortgage community being the mortgage brokerage community and let them know that you have money to lend. Okay, so you can uh, simply do that uh, today's day and age. It's pretty easy. I'd say probably the easiest thing for you to do is just to go on LinkedIn, do one of the advanced searches, look for mortgage brokers in your vicinity. You can go right in there and punch in your postal code and, and go out 10 miles, 25 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, and you can decide where you want to lend money. Okay, reach out to those mortgage brokers in those communities and just let them know that you're a private lender that uh, you're looking to put some money out on the street and um, you know you usually have a we'll have a set of guidelines that I'll cover with you in step number six but you you want to stipulate what those guidelines are and just let them know that uh, you're ready willing and able to invest in mortgages uh, should the opportunity arise and uh, give them your contact information and uh, take it from there okay now step number four is of course you want to set some rules Okay, I did say step number six because step number six does cover that a little bit. But step number four is basically you want to set some rules. You want to decide, first of all, if you want to be a first mortgage lender or a second mortgage lender. Okay, I don't suggest you be anything other than that. Some people are pretty aggressive in going into third position. Okay, uh, I don't I don't advise that. But what I would what I would say is first or second position on a mortgage is pretty, pretty safe. Okay, so what I would do is, you know, say, you know, for example, with myself, my uh, set of guidelines is, is I don't like to go beyond 85%, they call LTV, uh, which, which is a loan to value ratio. So just to, to give you an example of that, if I'm putting a mortgage on a property, and as I had mentioned to you, I'm a second mortgage investor, okay, and I have a property worth $100,000. Now I know what you're thinking. Here they go, Walter, where are you finding a property worth $100,000? Well, there isn't one, but this is for the this is for the sake of the example, okay? So if I have a, a property worth $100,000 and there is a first mortgage on the property already with another lender say for 55,000, okay? That means that the loan to value on that property now is 55%, okay? Which is of course the 55,000. My rule of thumb is I don't like to go beyond 85%. So that means that I would be willing to lend this person another $30,000 on that house, okay? Which would bring the value up to 85% loan to value, if you see what I mean, okay? So you may not like that value. I, we, uh, the community we're in here, obviously Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, we're in a pretty, you know, aggressive and robust market. If somebody gets themselves in a jam, I feel pretty comfortable in being able to sell the property relatively quickly. So I don't think that my position is really in danger. The reason there's a buffer there, of course, is is because you want to make sure that, you know, the the borrower has some skin in the game, first and foremost. And number two, you want a bit of an insulator in terms of expenses uh, that if you ever did have to take that property back for whatever reason, well, the reason being, of course, that they defaulted on the mortgage. You want to make sure that there's enough room for all the expenses 
that are going to be incurred with with unloading that property like the real estate fees and the legal fees and property taxes and all that kind of stuff so you want to make sure that that money is in there because if it isn't <laughs> you're going to lose some money so you got to make sure that you uh, you set the rules straight in terms of how you want to lend so if you're not comfortable with 85 go to 80 you don't like 80 go to 75 but just keep in mind the lower that ratio is the less likely you're going to have opportunities to lend money okay unless of course you go into first position which really changes the rate game okay you get a lot more you get a, a far better return on the second mortgage market than you do on the first okay so that is uh, number four number five is go over the opportunities okay so you know you've reached out to the mortgage community you've set some rules you've got some cash now you're probably going to be presented with some opportunities from the lending community okay so go over the opportunities and, and assess them okay and the way you're going to assess them is by step number six which is measuring uh, a few different elements one is called the TDS ratio which is the total debt service the other one is loan to value we kind of already did that when we set the set the parameters as term in terms of our rules and um, uh, the, the other thing of course is uh, uh, credit worthiness, so credit bureau of the borrower that's looking to borrow the money. And then, of course, the subject property. Okay, the subject property is really important here because you want to make sure that, A, you're dealing with a uh, true value of the property. And what I mean by saying that is that you want an appraisal on the property. So, in other words, you know, this number that they give you that they say, hey, this property is worth 100000 and, you know, really in the open market, it's only worth 85000 well, then the 100000 was a lie. It's all for naught. You don't want to base your decisions on a lie. You want to base it on actual facts, okay? So it's very important that you're very comfortable with the value of the property, okay? And you can do that a few different ways. You can get an appraisal, and uh, you want to get an appraisal from a licensed appraiser, not just a realtor, okay? And I'm a realtor. I love realtors, but realtors sometimes can be wrong, okay? So, you know, they, they can be a little bit, uh, you know, pie in the sky in terms of uh, value. So you want to make sure you get a... Uh, get an appraisal either from a CRA or a, an AACI, you know, somebody with those designations so you're comfortable with the with the value of the property. Now you base those decisions based on that value. So let's go back to what I was talking to, uh, talking to you about in terms of, I said TDS and LTV. TDS, of course, is total debt service. This is basically, what this is, 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 is basically a measure that lending institutions use to determine whether somebody should be borrowing the money or not. Okay, so typically, you know, that number is somewhere around 40 to 44% in the open marketplace. So in other words, what that means is the, the banks are comfortable with the borrower having a total debt service of up to, say, 44% of the gross income of the, of the individual borrower. Okay, so in other words, if they, if they bring home $1,000, then the lender is comfortable with them using $440 towards the payment of their debts and that would be all of their debts that would be their mortgage that would be their heating costs uh, that would be their property taxes that would be any kind of payments on credit cards and uh, car payments and, and that sort of thing so that's that's the number that lending institutions use as a private lender you're going to be a little bit more aggressive okay some private lenders don't even care about that number I would say that that's probably foolish to do but I would um, personally, I would not 
allow that number to go any higher than 50%. Because as soon as you go into that area of beyond 50% TDS, you're just tempting the devil. And uh, quite honestly, you're going to end up with some trouble down the road. So, you know, you want to make sure that these people can sustain their payments. Because in all honesty, these people are only borrowing from you for short term. They're going to borrow it from you on one or two year terms until they get their act together. Because they're, they're going to be paying you, a, you know, a pretty high rate of interest. Uh, typically, you know, anywhere from 12 to 16%. Now... They're, they, they're going to want to get out of that, okay? So that's why it's important that, you know, when you go over and assess the deal, that you see some light at the end of the tunnel for these people, that you there is a solution or an exit plan for them. Because the last thing you want to do is get stuck with this borrower for a long, long time. Sure, you get the return, that's great, but how do you get your principal back? You need to have an exit strategy. And the exit strategy is uh, something that uh, the mortgage broker can help you determine in terms of what what they need to do in order to fix their fix their credit in order to borrow from a lending institution again okay and uh, so obviously you know uh, that leads me into the actual credit bureau report uh, which is basically a breakdown of what the borrower is currently indebted on okay mortgages car payments you know anything like that if they've ever had any challenges that's going to be on there if they've ever had a bankruptcy that's going to be on there if they've ever had um, a credit uh, proposal anything like that that's all going to be on there now i want you to keep in mind here that the people that are borrowing from you are more than likely not the most stellar in terms of of their credit worthiness that's why they're borrowing from you but the one thing I want you to be clear on is is to not lend money to you know just you know people that can't handle credit altogether uh, you want to look at bumps in the road you know uh, bumps in the road type people either somebody that you know maybe got sick or lost a job or you know or, or something like that and they're getting back on their feet and that's that's the important part here okay or you know they just started uh, a new business business is going well but they don't have enough time under their belt you know something along those lines so you want to be able to lend to somebody that you know obviously is you know in a jam but at the same time that can get themselves out of this jam once they're done with uh, the need for your money okay so that's um, that's what I look at okay hope that was clear enough anyway the next step which is step number seven is once you've determined that you're comfortable lending this money to these people on the house that they're borrowing it on you know then you're gonna set a commitment okay now I just want to back up here a bit before I go into the commitment I want to go over the appraisal a little bit the appraisal all by itself is going to be a number, a valuation of the property. Okay, so I don't want you to make your decision strictly on the appraised value. Okay, it's important to obviously have a right appraised value, but I don't want you to make the decision solely on the appraised value. And the reason I say that is because I want you to make sure that the property that they're mortgaging is in good condition and that there's no adverse elements that may cause the property to be hard to sell. Okay, so in other words, if the property is appraised at, you know, 250000 and you're comfortable with a, you know, loan-to-value ratio of 85%, just make sure that, you know, this property is not, you know, something that maybe could be worth 300000 and it's all beat up, 
you know now having said that in some markets those properties are easy to sell but sometimes they're not or sometimes they're in a bad area or sometimes they're contaminated you know they you know they're next door to a you know a plant of some sort uh, or maybe they had uh, you know some sort of environmental issues you don't want to get into any of that stuff you want to get into good marketable properties that if they hit the marketplace they sell quickly get it okay so let's be sure it's not just about the appraised value but the condition of the property okay and if you even want to go and look at that property you're fully entitled to look at that property so before you lend on that property you know go have a look at it if you think that you would feel comfortable owning it then it's probably safe to loan on it uh, there used to be a guy in the states that used to teach this strategy his name was Joe Land you might want to you might want to google him he's I, I think he I think he still actually has courses online I'm not sure but his his motto was always you want to loan to own okay so in other words if you had to take that property back you'd feel comfortable uh, owning that property okay now let's get on to the commitment so once you once you've decided you want to lend money on this and you've gone through all your due diligence, you're ready to go, then you got to you got to put together a lending commitment. Lending commitment very simply is that you are going to promise to lend this money for, you know, x amount of time, usually one or two year terms at x amount of percentage rate anywhere from you know if it's a second mortgage anywhere from 12 to 16 or even 18 uh, percent sometimes you want to you might want to fee that kind of stuff who knows i mean you, you there'll be all kinds of different uh, elements there so make this commitment there's usually an expiry on that commitment there's usually some paperwork involved from your trustee as well okay and you when you give the borrower that commitment you you give it to them with a timeline Okay, you got X amount of days to determine whether you want to lend on this uh, on this mortgage or not. Okay, and then if the lender accepts it, uh, there's usually conditions. Okay, and the conditions typically are, you know, that uh, first of all that um, you know the criteria that you asked for can be proved to them, pr proved to you rather. Okay, so you might want to see job letters, the appraisal, you know, you might want to see some other debts getting paid out, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, whatever those conditions are, and the mortgage broker can go over that with you, then that's what's going to be on your commitment. So, in other words, you're not going to lend that money until those conditions in that commitment are, are resolved. All right. And then um, once those conditions, which is step number eight, are uh, satisfied, then uh, what you're going to do is you're going to fund this mortgage. And basically, the funding of the mortgage is typically through a lawyer, of course, and through your trustee. So you're going to send the instructions to your trustee, you know, your Olympia Trust, your Canada Canadian Western Trust, or B2B. And um, then you're going to give them a copy of the commitment. And then they're going to send this money to the lawyer that's handling the transaction. The other thing that you might want to put into the condition is that the borrower is the one who's responsible for paying your legal fees as well. You don't want to incur any more costs because you are going to have a trustee cost, okay, for each particular mortgage. The, your trustee does charge you a fee, which you can in turn charge back to the borrower, by the way, okay? So you can put that all in there. And um, the other thing you want to, I want you to be clear on is you don't have to pay a mortgage broker anything for this, okay? Because mortgage brokers typically charge the borrower. Okay, so this is sort of their little holy grail. I mean, uh, the value of a mortgage broker is not only knowledge of the mortgage marketplace with lending institutions, but having a battery of, of private lenders. That, I'll tell you, that really gives a mortgage broker a lot of strength. So you're helping the mortgage broker 
probably even more than he's helping you, okay, because you're, you're really increasing his arsenal in terms of being able to lend more money and charge more fees, okay? Some people have a lot of, a lot of contacts, but I would, I would venture to say they don't, okay? So reach out to the community. The guys that have a lot of lenders, don't worry about them. Toss them aside. The ones who don't, help them out and uh, make sure that uh, you're comfortable with the whole thing, all right? And the final step is to collect the interest, okay? Uh, that's the hardest part. <laughs> it's not. This is basically all handled by your trustee. Usually those things are handled uh, right through the trustee. They collect the payment for you. That goes right back into your RSP. All this money stays within your RSP. And the payments that they make back to you, they go back into, the, into your cash-ready position. Okay, so they go into your RSP in cash, which basically can enable you to invest more money in other elements, other mortgages, maybe other investments, that sort of thing. But that's that's it in a nutshell on what you need to do to invest your RSPs in mortgages today. If you have any questions about this, feel free to email me. You can email me at walter at maximumresults.ca. We're also contemplating putting on a webinar just to, you know, make this strategy a little bit more, uh, just to give it a little bit more light. And um, the other thing is, of course, is um, keep in mind that we, we also own a mortgage company here. So if you have money that you'd like to have us uh, reach out to our community and see if we can find a borrower for you, by all means, give me a call. You can reach me at 519-624-9222. Exciting strategy, one of my favorite topics. Uh, and as I said, I, I love talking about it. So anytime you want to give me a call and, and discuss RSP mortgages, I invite you to. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this week's topic. And um, if you haven't already done so on iTunes, certainly give us a rating. A five-star rating would certainly be appreciated. But I hope you're having a great day and uh, we'll talk to you next week.